Hello and welcome to DLA Piper's Tech Disputes Looking to the Future podcast. I'm Philip Kelly, a litigation and arbitration partner here at DLA Piper, and I co-chair our specialist technology disputes group in the UK. In this short series of podcasts, I'll be joined by some of our leading lawyers to discuss the most exciting developments in tech, the legal implications, and what they might mean for you and your business. Welcome to episode one of this series. Today, I'm joined by Dan Jewell, a legal director in our technology disputes team, and someone with a keen interest in cutting-edge technologies and how they shape and interact with the law. So today we're going to talk about NFTs and in particular, what might be some of the key legal risks to be aware of. So Dan, obviously NFT is something that you hear about and read about in the news quite often. It's probably a phrase that most people have heard of, but shall we try and have a go explaining precisely what they are? Well, NFT stands for non-fungible token. An NFT is a cryptographic tool which is capable of proving ownership and authenticity of a digital asset. NFTs are created or minted and recorded using blockchain technology, using digital asset and blockchain platforms, such as DLA Piper's asset creation platform, Toco. But unlike other crypto assets like Bitcoin, for example, the fact that an NFT is non-fungible means that each NFT is unique. It contains a unique identification and metadata, so essentially making it a -a one-of-a-kind asset. So what that means in practice is that one NFT is not mutually interchangeable with another NFT in the same way as, say, Bitcoin is. Okay. And then what would you say it is that makes NFTs special? What is it that differentiates them from other types of assets? (laughs) Good question. And it's something that um, a lot of people are asking at the moment. But NFTs essentially offer asset owners the opportunity to generate revenues in in a new way. For example, you can sell fractions of assets as digital representations. So you can have a physical asset, break it up into pieces and sell a fraction of it to people, different fractions of it. For For a painting, for example, you could split it into parts and sell those fractions. But they also give buyers the opportunity to acquire ownership interest, in a sense, in a category of assets that just haven't been previously available. So assets that would have previously been difficult, if not impossible, to sell, such as um, tweets or source code. And these can be monetized now through using NFTs. So for example, an NFT representing the first tweet uh, of Twitter's CEO, Jack Dorsey, was sold for 2.9 million. Uh, And the original source code for the World Wide Web written by the web's inventor, Tim Berners-Lee, was sold for 5.4 million. So you can see that they might be, you know, in, in the kind of history of mankind, they're fairly historic items and NFTs uh, give a way of selling those. And as I said previously, you know, you can, you can also have not just digital assets, but physical assets. Uh, and you can sell the NFT while still owning or, or indeed separately selling the underlying asset to which the NFT is linked. So in terms of the the key legal risks of these NFTs then? Yeah, well, obviously the first thing that immediately comes to mind um, is clarity as to what actually you are requiring when you purchase an NFT. And this is, goes to your point of what makes them sort of slightly different from other assets. Because when you buy an NFT, what you buy and what you own is that token, that digital representation it's not the underlying asset itself. 
And that has you know, important consequences as to the rights that you're acquiring at the same time. So, for instance, if the NFT is linked to an underlying asset that might have, uh, as I say, copyright rights attaching to it, the purchase of the NFT will not necessarily gain the benefit of the copyright. The copyright may remain with the creator of the NFT. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's the key point, isn't it? That you're buying the NFT itself. You're not buying the underlying asset. And equally, smart contract technology can be embedded into NFTs, for example, to prohibit further transfer of the NFT until certain conditions are met. So, for example, until a further payment is made from the original buyer to the seller of the NFT to take account of any uplift in the NFT's value, uh, or, or equally, to protect the minter's rights to royalties, such that every time that NFT is sold and resold, the minter automatically receives a royalty fee. So it's pretty important for investors to understand the mechanics of the NFTs that they're buying in advance of that purchase. Yeah, and so what you're talking about there is obviously from the the buyer's perspective or the investor's perspective, making sure that they understand what it is that they are buying. And obviously the flip side of that is that the the seller, if they want to avoid complaints, if they want to avoid claims, they need to be very clear as to what it is precisely that they are selling and what rights acquire to that. Because you know, obviously at the extreme end, there's a risk that you know disappointed buyers might bring claims in misrepresentation if they believe that what they have purchased is not what they were sold. But before you even get to that, from a business perspective, you want your customers, you want the people buying your NFTs to be happy with what they're purchasing. So it's really important, I think, from a seller's perspective to make clear precisely what it is that they are selling and what rights do or do not come along with the, the NFT itself. Yeah, exactly. And linked to that and linked to the point we made earlier that you're not buying a tangible asset, buyers have an increased risk of being exposed to market volatility because an NFT is, in essence, only as valuable as what people are willing to pay for it. And we've seen recently with the market volatility and market fall across cryptocurrencies and other crypto assets such as NFTs, that that sort of volatility is is often much harder to anticipate than, say, volatility in stocks and shares, where economic performance of a company affects the value of those shares. So buyers can end up with NFTs that they purchase at a time when the market was very buoyant that they're then not able to sell for anywhere near the value that they bought it for, or indeed potentially not able to sell their NFTs at all for no other reason that they're just no longer a desirable item in the market. Yeah, so there are kind of different factors in play, aren't there, that determine how the market reacts and how market sentiment works, you know, compared to, say, if you're buying shares where underlying performance of the company and industry outlook and all that kind of stuff that is not predictable, but to some extent you can research and look into to understand and get a a view as to how the value of things might change over the future is not quite the same when you're talking about the NFT market. Just moving on to something you mentioned before, NFTs that are linked to physical assets. I think the example that you used, Dan, was um, of a painting where you can sell a, a fraction of an asset that's linked to a painting. Are there additional risks to bear in mind where you've got an NFT that's linked to a physical asset? 
Yes, there are. As we've mentioned, you're buying the NFT, you're not buying the underlying asset. But if the value or selling point of an NFT is its link to that asset, if that underlying asset is destroyed or lost or stolen, the NFT could be rendered, could be rendered worthless. On the other hand, on the flip side, you know, an NFT representing artwork by the UK artist Banksy was marketed on the basis that the underlying artwork had been deliberately destroyed, leaving only the digital representation sold through the NFT. So then in some instances, the destruction of the underlying asset might serve to increase the value of the NFT. But again, that's all very subjective, as we, as you said. You know, it just depends on what the buyers are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of an odd one, that one, isn't it? But I think, you know, from a legal perspective, what can you do about that? I think where you have circumstances where the value of your NFT is linked to the value of an underlying asset, then you may want to have a look at whether there's anything you can include within the contractual documentation that states what the obligations of the seller might be in relation to that underlying asset. So if the the safety or the security of the underlying asset is paramount to the value of the NFT, so not like the Banksy example where it's been destroyed, but where the value of the NFT is linked to the underlying asset remaining safe and secure, then you might want to put obligations in the contract on the seller to protect the asset so that if there is harm suffered to the asset, then you might have a right of remedy under your contract if the value of your NFT has been impacted as a result. Yeah, absolutely. So talking there about you know what might be sort of more accidental damage that might happen, there are examples where things happen deliberately or things might be deliberately missold. So what about fraud, do you think? Do you think fraud is still a risk with NFTs? Well, I mean, on the one hand, the purpose of an NFT is to authenticate provenance and title to that digital asset. And they benefit from blockchain technology. So that creates essentially a clear time-stamped audit trail of ownership. But you know, you could have fraudsters minting an NFT um, relating to a work that's not their own without a creator's permission. And for example, there was a there was an online auction of an NFT purportedly by Banksy. Ba- Banksy again? Is this the same Banksy artwork? Uh, yeah, it's the uh, it, it, that's right. Banksy again. He's popular in the NFT world. <laughs> um, it's a different artwork, same Banksy of course, but a different artwork. And there are more Banksy NFTs out there. But this one, it was found to be fraudulent and it wasn't actually affiliated with the artist Banksy at all. But it was quite a sophisticated fraud in a sense because there was a link to the NFT auction on Banksy's website, which it turns out was added to the website by the fraudster through hacking into that website. So it gave it you know, it, it gave it a um, you know a sense of authenticity that, in fact, turned out not to be the case. And likewise, I mean, more generally, with respect to copyright, minters of NFTs could falsely claim to own copyright in respect to the underlying asset, when in fact they and the NFT have no connection to the underlying asset at all, don't have any right of the copyright, and that might very well affect and probably would affect the value of the NFT. So a buyer who buys that NFT thinking it's 
you know, purchasing a copyrighted piece of work, in fact, isn't. They're buying a knockoff. And it's also possible that the actual owner of the copyright in the underlying work might assert rights with respect to, that, to the NFT against the buyer who's bought that asset. I suppose as with um, many other walks of life, the lesson there is that it's important to do your your due diligence before you you purchase an NFT. Yeah, absolutely. It's always safest to purchase NFTs from reputable creators or platforms. I mentioned earlier that DLA Piper, for example, has its own NFT creation platform, Toco, to guard against those kind of fraud fraud risks. And buying something in that way gives that extra layer of protection um, from some of these you know, sophisticated or indeed less sophisticated frauds that we see happening in the market. Yes, a very reputable platform there. What about then the the regulatory framework relating to NFTs? I think it might be fair to say that the law isn't always the quickest moving when it comes to accommodating new technologies and new developments. So what would you say is the, is the state of the regulatory framework, both in the, the UK and globally, in terms of how NFTs are marketed and sold? Well, I think it's fair to say that the legal and regulatory framework is still under development, both in the UK and across the globe. But as the popularity of NFTs continues to rise, so does the likelihood of, of further regulation of the sale, distribution and marketing of NFTs. I mean, the, you know, the regulators are, are there essentially to protect consumers, purchasers, etc. And, you know, as NFTs become more popular, the regulators will, will need to take more action. I mean, in the UK, as things stand, it's actually likely that many NFTs will be considered as unregulated tokens because they don't meet the definition of either electronic money or security tokens. But it's possible that certain types of NFT could constitute a type of regulated financial instrument, which the, the FCA would be interested in. Yeah, I mean, and that's obviously a really key point for, well, particularly for, for minters and sellers of NFTs to be aware of. Um, if there is a risk that what they're selling might be a form of regulated instrument or form of regulated activity, then they obviously need to be be aware of that because the, you know the danger of accidentally falling foul of the regulations and the consequences that could bring that could be really significant. Yeah, not that that uh, risk is of concern to everyone though, because. <laughs> The considerable sums that are often spent on NFT and the fact that you know, sellers can remain anonymous can make NFTs attractive to those who are interested in laundering money as well. So those who, who you know, deliberately want to use NFTs for criminal purposes. Yeah. And then when you, you bring in factors like money laundering, the impact of regulation uh, and the various obligations, that net is spread wider. There could be more people who are interacting with the NFT market who could be caught with that. So again, I think, you know, particularly for platform providers is to be, you know, they need to be alive to and ensure that they comply with their regulatory duties. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I said sellers there, but I mean, it's buyers as well might be interested in purchasing NFTs as a way of storing their ill-gotten gains. Uh, and in the UK, crypto asset exchange providers and custodian wallet providers are required to register with the Financial Conduct Authority prior to undertaking any crypto asset business. Given the broad definition of crypto assets, it's possible 
that businesses dealing with certain types of NFTs could fall within its scopes. It's important that minters, sellers, providers of those types of services get legal advice and make sure they don't fall foul of the UK's regulatory regime. Yeah, absolutely. So just wrapping up then, I think it's fair to say that NFTs are a very interesting type of asset. They bring unique opportunities for people to monetize assets and things that they have developed in a way that wasn't there before. And they also give opportunities for buyers to acquire interest in assets that previously they wouldn't have been able to acquire interest in. So there are a lot of benefits from NFTs that are you know, fairly unique to them as an asset class. Yeah, exactly. And as to benefits, I mean, there's been a benefit from, for certain individuals because there are quite a few stories in the press relatively recently about minters of NFTs becoming millionaires virtually overnight. Um, <laughs> that was obviously a more buoyant market than it is now. It's fluctuating. But again, we might see that level of demand again. Yeah, absolutely. Sentiment does change quite quickly, doesn't it? I think the message from us also, you know, that alongside those opportunities, there are, you know, important legal risks that you need to be aware of, you know, principally in terms of buyers losing their money through an asset that becomes valueless or buyers buying things that really they don't understand what it is they're buying. They're not receiving the rights that they thought they might be receiving. So important things to think of and be careful about. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as we've said, you know, buyers should, in order to minimise those risks, buyers should consider really carefully what they're purchasing. You know, ensure that any embedded smart contract reflects the rights they anticipated receiving. So do your due diligence essentially on what it is you're buying and really only purchase uh, and deal in NFTs on reputable marketplaces to avoid those fraud risks that we discussed earlier. Yeah. So what do you think, Dan, is next for NFTs? Do you think we'll still be reading about newly minted NFT millionaires for um, some time to come? I, I think that's right. Up and down. But yeah, I think that's right. And I think we'll also read about buyers taken for a ride, unfortunately, when they weren't aware of, of, of the nature of the assets they were buying. And I think that while they remain you know, a popular asset and certainly kind of in pop culture, they're this kind of new, exciting type of asset. I think that it's probably likely to lead to increased regulation of NFTs or amendments to existing regulatory rules to bring NFTs within their ambit. But for now, for the minute, the market remains relatively regulation light. And it's just up to the sellers and buyers to a large extent to make sure that they're aware of the risks. Thanks for that. Thanks very much, Dan. I think that brings us to the end of the time we have for this podcast. Dan, thank you very much for your time. And thank you also to the listener for listening to this podcast. Please keep a lookout for the next podcast in this series in which Dan and I will be talking about the exciting world of smart legal contracts. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. Thanks for that. Thanks, Dan.